Welcome to The Panic Pod. Today's episode is called, Is It Trauma? And it's particular that you read it in that tone. Um, today I am joined by a very special guest, a fellow therapist and colleague, Sirat Chowler. How are you doing, Sirat? I'm good. I'm looking forward to today <laughs> and what we get up to. Um, it's it's going to be interesting, especially questioning the t- trauma narrative. Um, yes. Let's see. Well, we're, her- we're both heretics, so it's fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Sirat and I are both uh, members of the BACP. How does it feel being the second best therapist of the BACP? <laughs> I don't know, Josh, how does it feel being the third? (laughs) (laughs) Burn. Uh, Start as we mean to go on. Uh, That's really good. Um, Is it trauma? Now, as therapists, we work a lot with people who are traumatized. um, But something that comes up a lot in social media, in just the therapy sphere and in the popular sphere, uh, is this word trauma. And... There's a lot of confusion surrounding it um, mm. and lots of people using the word as part of their identity. A lot of people actually resonating with the word because they have been traumatized, struggle with PTSD. Today in this episode, I was going to discuss um, kind of what is trauma? How can you identify it? How is it defined? But also we're going to discuss actually some of the pros and cons of constantly using the word um, in, in a vague sense um, for people who, who are trying to get better. And particularly, a lot of people listen to this podcast, suffer with anxiety disorders, and I'll discuss as well like how actually using the word and the label trauma can actually be quite debilitating. Mm. Um, but yeah, anyway, Sira, what, what's trauma? What, what is trauma? Trauma <laughs> is it's like an injury. It's like an injury caused by fright. So if you've been through, so I think one thing that we need to disambiguate straight away is that there's a difference between trauma or PTSD and traumatic exposure. And I think one, that's one thing that uh, is completely left out of the conversation. Um, You know, not everybody who goes through traumatic exposure necessarily develops, um, goes on to develop PTSD. And You know, there's a lot of what you find is a lot of snippets from the literature that gets taken out of context and is what, you know, this whole conversation is around these robotic catchphrases like it's not what happens to you, it's what happens in you. I mean, yes, but there's a lot more context around that. It's not like, you know, you go outside and the neighbor has a noisy lawnmower and that disturbed you slightly. So now, right, it's what happened in me. It's the trauma. It doesn't work that way. There's, you know, there's a lot more that goes around it. Absolutely. Absolutely. When I, I mean, if we look at it from the context of PTSD, which is the first kind of, you know, identification of, of, of trauma. And, and I like that use of, you know, it's a, it's like an injury uh, first mm. kind of identified as as a shell shock for people in world war 1 where the brain would struggle to process traumatic events yeah um and what's now been proven is that like on a lot of these uh, memories get stuck in the hippocampus yeah. and the brain gets confused and thinks that you know the traumatic event is happening now 
that's why you see you know lots of imagery and it's used a lot in almost trope form now in in mm-hmm. in, in the media where you know people waking up with sweats in the middle of nightmares um people hearing loud noises very real you know what's happening in that person's brain is very real same for people victims of sexual assault survivors of sexual assault survivors of uh, abuse um you can suffer from from ptsd and trauma um but it's interesting because not everyone who experiences traumatic stimulus like you said gets ptsd it's quite, yeah. it's quite a small number, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very, very small population. I can't remember the numbers off the top of my head, but it's a very small population. And it's, you know, there's a lot of um, factors for why. There's protective factors and then there's precipitating factors. And, like, if you have support before and after, you're less likely to, to develop it. If you're resilient and have inner resources, you're less likely to, to, to develop PTSD. If you've been through previous traumatic things you're more likely if you don't have support you're more likely you know there's and then of course you know personality and differences some people are more sensitive some people are less sensitive um there's there's a lot to it it's it's a complex thing everyone who goes through um the same traumatic experience doesn't necessarily have the same response to it so that's one thing Mm. um and that's why they say that it's not what happened, it's what happens within you. But that's a laden statement. It, it doesn't just mean any distressing event means something major happened within you and you developed PTSD. There's a lot of... The, the criteria for PTSD is ignored. I think people just look at the mood lability or like, let's say if you have a... Um, lability means, you know, reactive mood. Mm. and assume that means that there's evidence of some kind of historic trauma and it's not the you know this kind of new trend of um looking for a root cause of trauma in any kind of psychological or emotional distress what it does is just confuse the situation it confuses people and then like i'm sure you found this people come to therapy and it's like i can't remember my trauma but this is what I'm struggling with and then there's so much psychoeducation you have to do um there's so much to kind of clear up or anyone who has anxiety anybody who's struggling with um you know like an adjustment disorder let's say because of of lockdown the pandemic um that's fairly common and the assumption is right I've been traumatized by the pandemic and it's like no no, you haven't. You've been affected by the pandemic. Yeah, you've been, and that's, and that doesn't mean it's trivial. It doesn't mean that it's not important to you and to your therapist, and you're going to work through it. But you don't need to label every single difficult thing trauma. I think that's the other side of it, which is people use trauma as a synonym for pain, distress, anything from the past that still has some kind of impact on you. Um, that's just life. There's always mm. going to be something that has an impact on you. It doesn't mean you, you've been traumatized. Absolutely. And I'm, and I'm so happy that you've outlined that because a lot of people listening to this podcast are people that struggle with anxiety disorders uh, who've been to therapy, uh, had a certain modality, usually um, humanistic, mm. which is fine. I love humanistic. Um, you know, never, never attack a modality, but 
a lot of the therapists and a lot of the fad in the therapy world at the moment is being trauma informed. Um, (laughs) And that's all right to be trauma informed as such. But one of the biggest fears I hear from people with anxiety disorders, panic disorder, OCD, GAD, is that when they're constantly told, you know, oh, this could be trauma, this could be trauma, that adds anxiety. Yeah. It act, the negative externality that can have is that these people suddenly think they're broken. Yeah. Part, part of the philosophy that I use is that you're not broken. You, your anxious response is going bananas. Yeah. And some of our beliefs and our behaviors are keeping it there, which is kind of very CBT stuff. There's also room for humanistic stuff. And I really like person-centered stuff as well. I love mm-hmm. combining them both. But in general, there's that. But when I've got people with, say, OCD or contamination OCD I has I've been diagnosed with OCD in the past um and I've had this worry when when all my tutors and therapists and people in authority are telling me "Mm, this could be unresolved trauma Mm. what that actually encourages is rumination yeah and rumination is what I believe to be the core of a most suffering when we Mm -hmm. ruminate on something uh, it's the core foundation of metacognitive therapy, which is empirically some really encouraging empirical studies around metacognitive therapy. And they talk about how the mechanism of rumination keeps our body in a state of peril. Uh, obviously, if you're in a PT- PTSD state, that does require intervention. If you've got mm. trapped memories, trapped things, very real things. But, you know, following what you said about like... <laughs> you know, mislabeling things as trauma. I get people coming to me saying, oh, well, my last therapist I was with for two years and we tried to find the trauma. I was like, what What are you on about trying to find the trauma? Like the anxiety disorder is the trauma. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like it's on, here's a really, to reassure anyone listening, and this is something I personally took to my own therapy. I was terrified I'd repressed a memory. I yeah. thought, well, I can't really remember the, this, the hidden trauma. I've been through a lot of trauma. And I can remember it very clearly. But I got the impression working with therapists sometimes, it was like they were trying to dig for more. Like yeah. there was a, and I just, there was nothing. I always traumatized and, and I get it. But I, it was almost like trying to find the hidden. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it reminds me of the um, repressed memory crisis. Um, you know, when uh, there was this whole issue that happened, I think it was in the 80s, where therapists were essentially implanting memories because they were convinced that any kind of distress meant there was some kind of repressed memory there and sending people off digging for memories. And what happened as a result of this, of the therapists convincing people that there's some repressed memory, is that people were um, almost creating memories, like false memories. There was a false memory syndrome and thinking things that happened that hadn't happened. Um So the whole trauma trend reminds me a lot of that, of the false memory syndrome. Um, And no, like you said about the OCD thing, it is compulsive. And I think that's what a lot of this Insta therapy content is doing. It's not helping anything around mental health, particularly. I'm actually really quite concerned about Insta therapy and the impact we're having um, because people you know, little knowledge is a problem. A little bit of out of context knowledge can be a really bad and damaging thing. And people sort of run with that and they're compulsively, and compulsive being the operative word, try almost like 
like, yeah, digging through their history, trying to find this traumatic thing that explains their distress. And it's, you know, it's such a low resolution answer. People have distress for so many complex reasons. You know, there's genetic predisposition, there's things that are happening in your life, there's historic stuff, there's patterns and ways of being that are so ingrained that you can't necessarily see them. That's what you unpick in psychotherapy. Um, it's the, you know, the lowest common denominator answer that we're seeming to go for. And we've flattened this whole conversation from any kind of nuance or complexity. And we found this sort of, you know, blunt tool and we're bludgeoning everybody with it and saying, go and find the trauma um, that's not there. Mm. How is that different to the repressed memory thing? Yeah, And even if you do find the trauma, what do you do with it? Exactly. I mean, like, it's... And then the answers are like, (laughs) go and have a cold plunge. That's going to solve your... It's absolutely (laughs) fucking ridiculous. It's so awful. Well, uh, you're referring there to to to, to insta therapy. Um, anyone listening may or may not know, but um, um, Sira and I have got uh, you know we do a lot of work on social media and Instagram, and there's some really valuable psychoeducation resources on social media. I really like it, but also there's just a lot of crap on there, and there's a lot of stuff yeah. on there that is isn't helpful and it's misinformation. Um, we refer to ourselves as heretics because even some of these people are therapists and they become almost kind of, what's the word, but, you know, they, they, they see the work of really helpful people in the field of trauma like Bessel van der Kolk, P. Levine, um, Gabor Mate, these excellent, excellent people and almost take their work and turn it into scripture yeah. Where even when Bessel van der Kolk himself says, listen, you know, this is for PTSD. Like, yeah. no one said that, you know, your dad not coming to your football game is trauma. I never said that. Yeah. You know, and, and there's become a huge narrative about it that's yeah. damaging. And I, I want to share with you, I I know how damaging it is firsthand. I, I overcame an anxiety disorder and OCD and thought, you know, how best can I help people? And I started coaching and I realized I'd don't really have the ethical knowledge to keep doing this. I'm working with very vulnerable clients. So I then decided to go and study therapy, psychotherapy. So I went to university, did my master's, and I was I very much enjoyed it. It was in person-centered therapy, humanistic. But then red flags started to rise up when I started to see a lot of this, what can only be described as kind, kind of cultish behavior. Very snobby behavior around modalities. Everything but person-centered is, 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 is difficult. It doesn't work. You know, the medicalization of all mental health conditions is part of a patriarchal capitalist structure, blah, blah, blah. You know, couldn't use the word PTSD in the human state. Uh, and, and, and an unhealthy, dangerous, blinding belief that one modality, the modality of person-centered, is enough for someone to heal their inner wounds as such, and which is incorrect, um, particularly if you've got um, conditions that need specialist training. Anyway, I was on this course feeling great. I went in, my mindset was amazing. I went in very happy. I enjoyed it. And suddenly this, the, the trauma narrative started to come through um, about unprocessed trauma, trapped trauma, 
there's stuff in you. And I've, again, I've been very traumatized in my life. I have seen, I've had loved ones die in my arms. I have been assaulted. I have been, I have been conventionally job. I don't have PTSD. But this notion, what you said before, what, what what's the thing they say? The trauma is within me. My yeah. OCD actually relapsed on that very word. And I was obsessed that I thought there was something in me that needed almost exercising. <laughs> you know? And it made yeah, me very yeah. ill. It made me very ill. My own therapy training course made me ill. And that's an honest, honest story. I, I put it the same way. It's like exorcising a ghost. That's that's the way that's the way they put it. Um, that there's something trapped in your body. Um, you know, like again, it's taking complex ideas, making them really so oversimplified that crucial meaning is lost, and then people run with it. Actual therapists and psychologists, with you know, very credentialed people, are telling other people that there's trauma trapped inside your body and that you need to you know do a cold plunge to exorcise the ghost or um you know go walking barefoot in the grass it boils my <laughs> blood syrup i'm sick of i'm sick of the pretense i'm so angry about it <laughs> <laughs> it does it does you're I mean, right, psychologists, doctors, people with doctors. There is zero empirical evidence. You cannot measure trauma in a body. You can no. see trapped, you can see PTSD under a brain scan very clearly. Yeah. PTSD, you know? ADHD, okay. depression, um, all those things have been seen in brain scans. But there's, it's like you said, there's no measurable way to check if trauma is trapped in the trauma body. Trauma is not trapped in my not, ass. I no. don't have trauma in my foot. Where? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have trauma in my foot. <laughs> my foot's haunted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just like what? Like it just No, does... it's 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 stupidity because what what it, it and it is it is that's the right word. It's stupidity because it's people who should know better who um make it the absolute stupidest version of what the reality is. And you know, yes, like there are um we somatize symptoms which means that symptoms show up in the body. Um, psychosomatic uh, manifestations of emotional distress happen. That doesn't mean that mm. you've made it up. It means that they're showing up in the body. Mm. Um, or, you know, there's a very real connection between the mind and the body. And of course, what's happening in the mind feeds into the body and vice versa. That's what happens. So you can, you can, in, it, can impact your if you're constantly in fight or flight for example you're going to have gut constant gut issues because when you go into fight or flight your bowels want to evacuate themselves and so does your bladder that's mm. that's what happens or you will brace your um your viscera and your muscles sure it's not trauma of the bladder it's not trauma of the bladder no there's no bladder trapped <laughs> Tra bladder, ghost. Bladder. Bladder, bladder ghost bladder ghost yeah um you know, or you brace your muscles and your musculature is, con is is chronically tight 
because you're constantly bracing because you're constantly going into fight or flight um and so you mm. might have that's going to cause pain if you if a muscle is constantly contracted P- that doesn't mean it's trapped this, in the body if people listen to this will absolutely resonate with that tension mm. continued all these things absolutely yeah. doesn't mean it's trapped in the body it doesn't mean it's trapped in the body no yeah and um so yeah they're very very serious issues about the way we're speaking about mental health and um i tweeted this a while ago i think i put it on instagram as well that they've there's a lot of these people that present themselves as pioneers. They're not. They're charlatans. And um, say it how it is. It is how I, I always do. And um, you know they've created a whole industry out of telling everybody they have trauma, and they're making a lot of money out of this. And what they're doing is misinforming people who don't have trauma, and they're robbing people with actual trauma of um, any language they have to describe their experience. Um, people who don't have trauma are clogging up PTSD services and actual PTSD is completely divorced from this conversation and I find that absolutely shameful Um, actually being traumatized is is a living hell Mm -hmm. and those people have been just removed from this conversation so that people whose mum didn't talk to them or dad didn't come to the football game can be screaming about being traumatized you're not you had a maybe like your parents weren't great. That's that's not trauma. Mm, absolutely, and I think it's really important to actually highlight if you do have PTSD, what kind of symptoms are you experiencing? So there's there's I've actually pulled up the criteria because I want to be super super clear about this. So because if like you have PTSD, about, yeah, it's that is trauma. That is trauma. Yeah. So first of all, there's traumatic exposure. So you're going to have some kind of event that was really traumatic like people like you know police officers first responders being in war being assaulted um a traumatic death um not your own death somebody else's death Um, (laughs) all those things (laughs) you're bringing this out on me it's your fault can you imagine Um, well that's the new fad post-death trauma (laughs) like like just like i i i'm going to invent that and when i die i would like everyone to throw my corpse into a cold b- cold bath to cold exercise plunge. the trauma demons. Sorry. Wild burning sage, obviously. <laughs> Wild burning sage yeah. uh, and triggering the HSPs around me. That's another topic I won't go into. So could... And some hippies doing a dance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you have the traumatic exposure. Then, you know, the symptoms are, are grouped into different categories. You have intrusive symptoms, like intrusive thoughts, um, intrusive memories, flashbacks, dreams, nightmares, night terrors, all these kinds of symptoms that are absolutely involuntary, extremely Mm. distressing. And they, um, you know, um, dissociating all these kinds of things that are a response to an injury of fright, Mm. avoidance, avoiding your usual life, avoiding relationships, kind of isolating and putting yourself away, altered mood, um, persistent negative state um not interested in the usual things you're interested in um detachment from other people um being more reactive hyper vigilant having a really exaggerated startle response so you know someone taps you on the shoulder and you jump out of your skin um yes but the thing is you know it has to be all of these that's the criteria and also it has to be the intrusive the avoidance the reactivity the isolation, 
um, the nightmares, the night terrors, it's all of them together that form the criteria. And what's happening online is people take one in isolation and say, this is a trauma. Overthinking is a trauma response. <laughs> no, it's fucking not. You know? Okay. Like, <laughs> um, and before anyone listening now who's got panic disorder, like, oh my God, that describes me. No, it's more specific. It's... Yeah. It's particularly the flashbacks and stuff, the very vivid dreams, usually repetitive, the the feeling like the dangers. Now, people with panic disorder don't like the feeling of fear. And and, and don't get me wrong, it, it is having panic having panic disorder is traumatizing. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have trauma. Yeah. Um, I mean, I had panic disorder for a year undiagnosed, and you know, I don't have PTSD from it, but I would describe it as traumatizing. Yeah. But um, do you know what one of the most common symptoms of trauma ptsd that comes up in my practice genuinely mm. uh, and i'm getting good at good at finding this one spotting mm-hmm. this one is when people have that fright reaction to a specific often irrational trigger mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of the times it comes up around people who are confident and in authority mm. now and i don't just mean oh, i'm nervous because there's someone in authority and confident uh, I work with uh, several clients who would, over the years, who would literally curl into a ball, who would run out of a room and curl into a ball in, in a cubicle because this person would have reminded them of a trauma in the past. Um, I remember there's a, there's a few, I did an online talk with someone a while ago where their PTSD was actually from being bullied for three years, severely mm. humiliated humiliated in front of a room full of men she was a young woman yeah and the the ptsd came out at any time she was in a room and there was an opinionated male Mm. and bear in mind this person was very intelligent and confident and Mm. they would they would kind of you know do that and 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 that's happened 10 20 i've had at least 30 clients with that it's very so common yeah Uh, and it it can happen the other way it could be an opinionated female it could be anyone yeah, because um, it's the, it's the yeah. reminder of the original trauma. Mm-hmm. So your body, you have to understand the nervous system is not primed to make you happy. It's primed to make you stay alive so you can continue the species. So it's constantly scanning for threat. And mm-hmm. anything that that is, you know, possibly um, a reminder of the original trauma, um, similar, stressful, because stress isn't experienced like stress by people who are traumatized. It's re-traumatizing. Um, it mm. will have a, it will have that response because your nervous system is going to read that opinionated male who's similar to the person that bullied her as shit. It might happen again, and then mm. your body goes into the threat response. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then people with anxiety disorders will then misinterpret that threat response. Yeah. And then and keep the cycle going because they don't want it, they hate it, they don't know why it's there. And then going back to trauma narratives, oh, this is something you need to fix, you need to exercise it, and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, oh, yeah, and that, that's yeah. the kind of things that you have to unpick in your practice. Yeah. I unpick it in mine, and that's why I always love psychoeducation, proper psychoeducation, yeah. you know, this is yeah. what's happening. Uh, what I will say to anyone listening is do not be afraid of the word trauma. I find so many people afraid of it. Do you find that? How so? I know I find people are not afraid of it and it gets overused for everything. And I think I think there's like, you know, because there's been concept creep of the word trauma and it's kind of the original meaning has been changed. Um, so, you know, people now 
look at mental health difficulties and automatically associate it with the word trauma, and that's incorrect. Mental health difficulties can happen for all kinds of reasons. Trauma is one of them. Mm. It's not. It's not the ultimate answer. And I find that um, the misinformation that's coming out of Instagram is a serious perpetrator mm. of this. So, no, I don't think people are afraid of it. I think people don't know what it means. It's dismissive. It's reductive. Yeah. It's... Um... It's it's sensationalized. It's almost like you look treating mental health with a romanticized narrative, like you could put it in a Netflix show. Yeah, you know, like oh, you know, I call it in I call it Inception thinking. You ever watched Inception? Yeah, it's like oh, if we get to if we go down to the third dream level and blah 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 and find out oh and replace Dad's desire with a with a flower and the flower and whatever and and then I feel better. Yeah. Well, that's lazy. Also, yeah. and this is a big one. I know, and I know you'll agree with this one because I think we said it before. Sometimes saying something is a trauma, and this is going to be controversial, and a few therapists will, if they haven't, you know, <laughs> hated me yet, they might hate <laughs> me now. <laughs> but in some cases, people may use the word trauma as a cop out from putting in the hard work themselves, mm. and I genuinely see i can't do that because i am traumatized i can't do that because i am a hsp i can't do that because of and it's like no you know oh i i'm allowed to mistreat you and be emotional and prioritize my emotions first because i am traumatized i'm allowed to mistreat you and do all those things because i'm this and that when actually take responsibility you know don't get me wrong you'll always get empathy compassion with a good therapist and in my therapy room. But when I've noticed as well as like people will sometimes will use this, particularly on Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, you must've seen that on Instagram. It boils my blood. That same, it's going to go around for years where someone writes out a really big text and they put like lines through it. Like, hi, sorry, I've not replied. Blah, 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 blah. Just like, no, just, you know, sorry, I've not replied. Okay, I've been a bit unwell, but you know, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah. and there's like this whole diatribe of, I've got this and this and this and this. It's just yeah. like, oh wow. Well, that's yeah. like a whole cultural issue now, isn't it? Where nothing is ever anybody's fault. Um, but you know, it's it's like a it's a really weird dichotomy because now we only think in binaries. Apparently, that's all that's allowed. So on either either nothing is your fault because of your, um, I don't know, identity points or because you've, you know, you've decided it's trauma or something else or you're an absolute demon because of your wrong identity points or because you dared to have wrong think and it's fine to, (laughs) you know, publicly flay you. Um, And the balance has been completely lost. Like, like you've been traumatized, I've been traumatized, I've also been assaulted, I've been through violence. Um, a lot of things I'm not going to go into because, you know, I mm. like to protect my privacy, but yeah. And it that's not an excuse um, for being a grade A asshole. And it, it gets used as one. And the other side of the coin is that people look at things like, like I get this all the time, I don't know whether you get this, but direct speech is viewed as hateful 
or like we're in this really strange hysterical sort of hyperbolic time where an asshole is now a narcissist no one can just be an an asshole anymore they're always a narcissist or a toxic person <laughs> or an abuser stop gaslighting me yeah no one can dis- if you're disagreeing you're gaslighting if um you know if you uh someone was horrible to you you were traumatized um a joke you didn't like hate speech like that's where we've gotten to um and that's, and, and that's traumatizing that us all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's traumatizing us all. Uh, let me tell you how difficult it is for a heterosexual middle-class white man to have an opinion. <laughs> I am the oh. left arm of the patriarchy. How dare I speak my privilege? Um, Do you get any of that online? Though I get a lot of that. Yeah. Um, Do you? Yeah. I mean, I'm very. I'm self-aware. I think I pride myself on how self-aware I am. Yes, I'm not going to experience and empathize fully with what other people go through. But the fact that I try, I think yeah. is, is good. And then if everyone tried to put, to, to put themselves in other people's shoes, I think the world would be a better place. Um, but yeah, no, I do sometimes. Yeah, I do that. It's, um, but I try to challenge that. I mean, mm-hmm. in a few, in a couple of episodes time, I'm doing an episode on menopausal anxiety. And, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do an episode on um, the menstrual cycle and anxiety. And I and I was going to palm it off and be like, you know, let's get two women talking about it. I was like, no, I'll, I'll talk about it because men don't talk about it either. And, mm-hmm. you know, people should know. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be taboo and this is what we should do. And, you know, but yeah, I mean, I'm often reminded that I'm, <laughs> you would say that. I'm like, all right, okay, so I'll Yeah, <laughs> I got that today. Um <laughs> You know, I posted about the whole Will Smith slapping thing. Yeah, violence isn't cool, Will. What are you doing, man? <laughs> yeah. And I got a few comments saying, um, if you're not black, you're not allowed to talk about this. And I was sort of like, I'm not sure that's true. You know, cause just because you're saying that's true. This is something that was aired on international television at the Oscars, for fuck's sake. People are going to have opinions. But also, um, I have friends who are stand-up comics. Yeah. Now they're in danger. Now that's normal. To walk up to somebody who's and, joking. And assault them. And assault them. Yeah. 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 You just normalized it. Like the most famous man in the world normalized it without consequence. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the next time you see, you know, go to a comedy club, just know that that comedian will be extra, extra terrified. Now knowing that consequence free can be assaulted on stage. You know, well, they're I, already being cancelled. Cancelled? You know, Comedians are already being cancelled left, right, and centre. So now they can now you can just walk up and slap them across the face. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we. I won't go too much in that. It will traumatise me. What would your genuine what would your kind of i know it's off the cuff what would your off the cuff advice be for someone who can resonate with the the symptoms of ptsd Mm. or maybe they've no two questions what would your advice be to someone who's who resonates with the actual symptoms of ptsd and and, and what can they do someone who actually resonates with the symptoms of ptsd and they've heard what i've what i read out or said earlier and they're like that's me i'm I have all these nightmares and night terrors and I have intrusive thoughts and I can't leave my room and I'm absolutely tormented by my own brain all the time. 
you need to go and get help immediately. PTSD is not something that just fixes itself. Um, it is like an injury and it's like living with a disability. So first of all, I'm really sorry that you resonate with that. Um, and if you're in the UK, you need to go and see your GP straight away and tell them that um, these are my symptoms and I think I have PTSD and I need help. I'm not okay mm. because you do need help. Mm. Some excellent treatments out there as well for PTSD. I, I refer yeah. people on who have specific triggers and um, I refer them on to EMDR therapists. Um, and I've actually EMDR has a, has a very good kind of... Um, measured empirically proven yeah, kind of there's a lot of data behind yeah, EMDR. which is which is really funny because it's 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 nuts <laughs> i'm like it's, what it's funny what because they don't know how it works they still they can't say how but it does there are data that show that it does do something so well, the theory not? the theory this is just a theory isn't it but like i mean if you don't know what emdr is it's, i i bilateral basically movement bilateral rapid response. desensitization yeah so yeah and basically uh, the theory is and i don't you laugh this is these are my words not 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 of medical journals but um when we're traumatized and have trapped memories the, the kind of they get, kind of get stuck in the hippocampus whereas a lot of our memories that go to the hippocampus in a day are everyday memories we go to sleep and they're filed away in our brains usually during the rem part of sleep you know rapid mo eye movement and the theory is that you kind of, when you draw upon these kind of trap memories in the hippocampus that cause PTSD and stuff like that, mm. um, you're kind of you're kind of unclogging it. You're like you're unclogging the queue. Like, there we go. Let's let's do the, the REM but awake and see if we can shift it along a little bit. And um, I've had some clients that have actually reported some really good stuff about that. And you know it's good because they say, you know what, I've not had a trigger for so long, mm. and that's when you know that they don't come back going. I just not even thought about it, and that's when you know yeah. that kind of it's gone away. Um, and my second question to, because not got too long left, but what if you're someone with an anxiety disorder and and you're confused, and maybe you've seen a therapist and and you're a bit confused about this trauma thing, mm. uh, and you don't know whether you have trauma or not, but you have, do have anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. What what should be your first port of call? Um, well, the first thing I'd say to that person is just because it's not trauma doesn't mean it's trivial. Um, if you're in pain, you're in pain and that matters. Ooh, um, yes, I love that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. We, you know, we we don't want to just hyperbolically label everything the same thing. Like, you don't need to label a flu or COVID cancer to, me, to, to say that it's meaningful. It still matters that you've gotten ill. You don't have to call it the most extreme thing. But anyway, coming back to that, it's it's not trivial. It, and it doesn't mean that it matters less. And it doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't go and get help as soon as possible. You don't need to needlessly suffer. And again, if you're in the UK, you I always say first go and see your GP because they always have, um, one, it's good for them to document it. Mm. And they're always good about referring you on uh, and it takes time though referring you on to psychological services or go on to um speak to your gp and go on to the counseling directory and find someone and mm. and see them mm. but i don't you know like i the reason why i say go to the gp first is because we can't say what it is from this podcast we don't know 
And therapists mm. in the UK, we don't diagnose. We understand the criteria, but we don't diagnose. Mm. Um, unless and, it's trauma. Unless it's trauma. <laughs> and, you know, you don't know what it is. Sometimes we maximize our symptoms in our mind and they seem worse. Or sometimes we minimize them. Sometimes there's something else going on there that you might not be aware of that your GP will catch. Um, so to make sure that you're safe, I think you need to go and see your GP. Let them explain what's going on for you. Um, let them refer you to the right service and find a find a therapist. Usually if you try and find a private therapist, you'll, you'll you know, there's not any waiting time. If you go through the NHS, there's, there are long, wait, long, long waiting times. Uh, absolutely. And um, I mean, I'm very candid on this podcast as well like in, in the sense that go speak to GP as a matter of due diligence. But yeah. we're aware that a lot of GPs have got to know a, a lot about, a little about a lot. And yeah. I mean, they spent their whole lives, whole lives training and looking at physical ailments. Um, I'm not bashing GPs here, but I think in general, when it comes to anxiety disorders, I think GPs and I conducted my own research on this at Masters as part of my thesis, so I'm not just saying it bluntly, but 60% of people that go to a GP with an anxiety disorder um, feel like their GP just doesn't get it and actually not, not yeah. correctly kind of identified. Yeah. For you, though, it, you stick with stuff that resonates with you, not just things that sound fun, like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Let's go find my trauma and heal myself. But if you look at certain things, look at different modalities like CBT, metacognitive therapy, person-centered, transactional analysis, whatever, go on counseling directory, find what works for you. And then sp I love private therapy because it's open-ended usually and yeah. you can do these things. Um, I'm not a fan of the NHS talking therapy. I just think it's underfunded. I think the people aren't trained. A lot of the people aren't trained high enough. Uh, some of them are, but some of them are just rushed through to meet the demand for CBT. Um, and I just think, like, you know, if you can afford it, try and afford it. You know, you go see someone privately who's trained and someone you're comfortable with and yeah. go from there, you know. Um, and and that's anywhere in the world. I know we've got listeners all around the world, but, um, you know, that that's the way. And for, most people that listen to this have anxiety disorder. So say to them, you know, like, do you know, do you understand anxiety disorders? Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. And you know you've got the right therapist because some therapists will say, oh, I don't use the word disorder in here. And I say, bend them off. Go find something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd say, yeah, at the NHS, you know, it's not it's not perfect. Um, and the NHS mental health services are really overstretched. And, you know, you have to be in, like, acute crisis often to get, get some decent help. But... Um, I've had people come through to see me privately and they very much needed um, the medical model. They weren't well and they needed a sort of multidisciplinary team. Mm. They needed a psychiatrist. They needed medication. They needed to be watched. Some cases they needed, you know, something much more heavy and mm. well-rounded than private practice can do. Yeah. So I think that's also really important. That's why I say go to the GP first, because if you're hallucinating or there's, you know, any of that kind of schizotypal, schizophrenic stuff or treatment resistant depression, not that I'm not that I'm saying this, but, you know, when you're very, very, mm -hmm. very unwell and depressed. Sometimes you need that medical and there's no shame in that. There's no. absolutely no shame in 
It's it's like you're unwell with anything else, um, mental or physical. If you're unwell, you're unwell, and you need to see the right doctor and get the right meds and get the right help. Um, so you know that's the that's the rationale behind see your GP first because no, they probably don't understand the finer points of nuance like we do about anxiety disorders or like you do especially. But they are trained to look out for things that need the medical model. So I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and yeah, it's really important um, to realise that. Um, thank and you so much. One oh, more thing. <laughs> yeah, sure. when, seeing a, when finding a therapist, I think um, this is my advice to anyone that asks, is um, see a few people. What matters less than modality and less than you know, any of the tick box things is, do you feel comfortable and safe with that person? And do you think you'll be comfortable telling them your innermost private things mm. and things that you feel ashamed about and things that you're scared to speak out loud? Those are really important um, because ultimately the thing that really seems to facilitate change is the relationship between the therapist and the client. And if you can form that bond, that's the basis that you can do some really good work on. So, you know, see see two or three people or four or five people or whatever. Pick the one that you feel that you can really talk to. It's got really to be a match. With. Yeah, the personality fit has to be there. It's got to be a match, absolutely. Yeah. Where can people find you, Sirit? They can find me At on the Twitter. bottom of your garden, staring <laughs> through your window. <laughs> oh, no, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the first. That's the best <laughs> BACP therapist. Number one. <laughs> um, Twitter, Instagram, and my website. Yeah, you and got, Facebook. I think you got a, 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 like a therapeutic program, haven't you? Called In the Trenches. I love that. Yeah, um, it's called the Trenches. It's a membership where um, I kind of go through some of the stuff I talk about on Instagram, because a lot of my content on Instagram is basically, instant therapy is shit. <laughs> don't listen to this. Don't listen to that. That's terrible advice. Um, and then, you know, I thought, well, you need to have a solution as well, not just criticize things constantly. So I created this membership where people can subscribe monthly and the stuff I'm saying, well, don't do this. I'm telling you what you can actually do instead. If you're very unwell or you need therapy, this is not the place for you. It's not a replacement for therapy, but I think it's um, it's a cool thing and there's some cool people in there and we have a nice forum where we chat about things and yeah. Basically, it's, it's an opportunity for Sira to get her uh, soapbox out and, and everyone yeah. likes that. I'm always yeah. on mine. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Thank you for joining us on the Panic Pod, a really interesting episode um, and, and an important thing and, and if anyone's listening and you're like oh you know you know i always keep things simple you know if you've got if you just got an anxiety disorder yes that's annoying in itself but i always keep things simple because when you start adding multiple narratives and stuff what you're doing is you're just giving more fuel for rumination because when oh well now i've got to consider that now i've got to think about that but through that lens and whatever yeah and you're just keeping your threat response on yeah. you know um, but if you, you resonate with and with the symptoms of PTSD that was outlined, 
go speak to your doctor. And there's and there's plenty of treatments out there and stuff for it as well. It's not it's not a sentence or anything like that. Thank you very much, Sir. You have a wonderful rest of your day, and I'll catch up with you soon. Probably commenting on your Instagram irreverent <laughs> stuff like I usually do. <laughs> Thanks, Chris.